This morning, I want us to think about something uh, in the Old Testament that's called the Stone of Help. Uh, and I'm going to take us through a story this morning. In a, in a second, we'll respond together. But before we do, I just want to tell you a story. It's a story that takes place on a planet, more specifically, our planet, uh, part of a planet that perhaps people here might not have been to, to the land of Israel. And in Israel, there was a prophet, a man called Samuel. Now, if you don't know, a prophet is given a special gift and a special role. The prophet's gift is to be able to talk with God and hear God really clearly. And the role that the prophet is given is then to share what God is saying with other people. And Samuel's called not to do that for just for one person or not just for one sort of place, but for a whole nation. And Samuel comes and speaks to the people again and again about God's heart and his ways and his truth and his love and his grace. And you might have thought that would have been a welcome thing. You might have thought that somebody that can share what God is thinking would be a really popular person, but unfortunately not so much. See, in Israel, there are two problems. One problem is that the people aren't listening to God. They're meant to be God's people. They're meant to know God really, really well. They're meant to know his ways. They're meant to worship God. But when Samuel comes to be a prophet, they're worshiping other gods. There's a God called Baal from another nation, another God called Ashtoreth from another one. And the people of Israel that were meant to be God's people are worshipping other gods. They're trusting other gods to look after their family or to provide rain for their crops. And they're not doing what God has called them to do. And everything that God has spoken to them, they've just turned a deaf ear to. That was problem number one in Israel. Problem number two lies with their neighbors. Not far from Israel was the land of the Philistines. The Philistines are a nation of bullies. They have this huge, dominant, powerful army that would just sweep in. And they thought nothing about if they wanted your land, they'd take your land. If they wanted your crops, they'd just take your crops. If they wanted your home, they would just take your home. If they wanted slaves, they would take you as a family, men, women, and children, as slaves. And this goes on in Israel again and again and again, the Philistines make life painfully impossible for the Israelites. Now, this is way, way back in the Old Testament, so there's no king. There's no major army in Israel at all. This is a vulnerable little bunch of people, a couple of tribes, again attacked again and again and again, up and down the nation. This fear, even the word Philistine would cause fear in your heart. Eventually, a bunch of people think to themselves, this is happening, and we're God's people. Surely, God's man, the prophet, would have something to say about this. And so a bunch of people think, we'll go and talk to Samuel about it. And so they gather around Samuel, and they say, look, Samuel, we're getting attacked. Our homes are getting taken. Our people are getting killed. Our people are living in fear. What, what does God want to say about any of this? And Samuel thought, and Samuel prayed, Samuel listened, and then Samuel told them, if you really are returning to God, you need to do it with your whole heart. So 
Get rid of all the false gods. Stop worshipping other idols. Stop trusting in other things. If God is your God, then serve him. And he just tells them all that as plainly and as bluntly as he can. And the people, to their credit, listen. And so there's this season in Israel where they go and they pull down the statues to Baal. They go and find the statues to Asher, and they destroy them until they're just surrounded by pieces of, of statues everywhere. And the people are returning back to God. And then Samuel says to them, gather everyone together and come and meet me at Mizpah. Now, Mizpah is this big city. It wasn't that big back in the day, but it's big now. And it's big because of where it is. It's high up on the mountains. The name literally means watchtower. So all of Israel gather there together and they're praying, God, we've done wrong. We need to get right with you. We need to sort this out with you. And they're praying together. And as the people stand there, they begin to hear a familiar sound. The sound of marching boots, the sound of swords raised for battle, the sound of horses galloping. The Philistines have realized that all of Israel is in one spot. And if Philistine are ever going to attack them all in one go, it's going to be now. And so they're coming up the mountain towards the people, people who don't have swords, people who don't have shields, people who are just stood there to pray together, waiting to get attacked and arrested and carried away. And so they turn to Samuel and they say, Samuel, will you pray for us? And Samuel does this amazing thing. So picture this now. Here we are up on a mountain. Uh, all these people are there together. They can see and hear the Philistine forces approaching. And rather than give in to worry, Samuel chooses to worship. Rather than giving in to panic, Samuel chooses to pray. Rather than give in to fear, Samuel chooses to focus. And so there in front of everyone, he takes a lamb, which is how they used to, to, to worship back in their day. And he sacrificed it there and then. They're about to get attacked, and Samuel's first focus is to look up, to look to God and to worship him. And as he does that, the people also join in. They start to pray and worship and, and look to God as well. And then they start to realize that over Samuel, the clouds have started to turn a bit darker. The atmosphere has got a little bit colder. And suddenly there's the sound of thunder that shakes the ground around them. Uh, these powerful forks of lightning come and just hit again and again and again. God is answering Samuel. He's answering the people in the thunder in the clouds, the thunder in the skies. Now, the Philistine army, who you wouldn't imagine wouldn't be scared of anything, it turns out are scared of thunder and lightning because they've come to attack a people whose God can answer with lightning. Suddenly, panic descends on the Philistines. And this big, powerful, dominant, bullish army scatter. And run away as fast as we can, because if that God is on their side, I'm not fighting them. And the Israelites chase them down the hill and chase them away. Great moment. And then Samuel decides to do something really important. Something that I don't think we do often enough in our lives. Samuel thinks, I need to mark this moment. So Samuel thinks to himself, how can I put down a marker 
so that maybe next time when we're under attack, we'll have somewhere to look and remind ourselves God did not leave us then. God will not leave us now. So he gets this huge stone. He calls it Ebenezer. In fact, the place from then on was always called Ebenezer. And the stone literally means, the, the word Ebenezer literally means stone of help. And I don't know how long it took. And I don't know how many men it took to carry this huge stone up. I don't know where they found it. But they placed it up on top of this mountain. It could be seen for miles around. And Samuel stands there next to this stone and says, This far, the Lord has helped us. This far, the Lord has helped us. When Tim and I were talking uh, just a few weeks ago about what we could do this morning together, we recognized this is the first altogether of the new year. I know it seems like a strange thing to talk about new year. We're, what, 28 days into it now, but it's the first time we've gathered all together like this. And we thought, wouldn't it be great to put down a marker as we begin 2024 together and say, this far, the Lord has brought us. Because this far, the Lord has brought us means it wasn't me that brought us here, and it wasn't you that brought us here. It wasn't our brilliance or our giftedness or our cleverness. The Lord has brought us here. This far, the Lord has brought us means that the same God who has led us here will lead us on. So I wonder if you'll help us this morning to, to put down a marker. We're going to respond together in, in two ways this morning. The first is, I'd love us just to sit and to think together uh, about the kind of things that we want to mark. What has God done in our lives over this past year? If you could think back 12 months, what's God done in our lives in the last 12 weeks, the last 12 days, the last 12 hours that we just want to say thank you to him for today? So I'd love you to just to sit with, with two questions just around your tables for a couple of minutes. And they're two very, very simple questions. They'll stay up on the screen for us. The first is this. How has the Lord helped you? Something happens, doesn't it, when we hear stories of what God has done. We need to share more together, don't we? It builds my faith. It builds my excitement. It builds my passion to be reminded of what God's done for you, what God's done for me. So take a moment, how has the Lord helped you? And then secondly, to think about this question, how does his help in the past inspire you for the future? We were looking earlier at quotes, weren't we? And there's an old hymn that I, I often quote in my own prayers. Oh God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come. It's the same God who is both of those things. Our hope for ages past and our help for years to come. So let's just take a moment to share together around our tables. Then uh, Tim's going to come and invite us to, to respond together. But just take a few minutes just where you are just to share together. How has the Lord helped you? And how does that help? Or how has that help inspired you for the future? Let's just take a few minutes to share together.